0: All right. Well, you may be seated. Uh, go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 13. That's where we're going to be tonight in just a few minutes. Um, as as Miss Kim said earlier, uh, my name is Tommy, and I have the privilege of serving here at Idlewild as our... Oh, no. Okay. Bree <laughs> started cheer. you get very kind. No. Um, I have the privilege of serving here at Idlewild as our young adults pastor, working with our um, college students and people shortly in the years, shortly after college, so 18 to 29 and uh, as always, every time I get a chance to come in here and open up the Word with you guys, uh, it is my joy, it is also my privilege, and I, uh, I don't take that lightly. So uh, I'm excited to be here tonight, excited to open up God's Word uh, for the next few minutes. So Psalm 13 is where we'll be. Um, but before we jump into that, I have a question, uh, and the question is this, how many of you guys, by, by show of hands, how many of you have ever broken a bone? Broken a bone. Okay. All right. So like, maybe, I don't know, 30%, something like that. Okay. Okay. All right, so back there in the back row. white shirt. What bone have you broken? What was it? I didn't hear. Nose. Nose? How did you break that? Oh, that, hey, that is OK. Did it hurt? Okay. All right, all right. Who else has broken a bone? Right there. What bone have you broken? Finger? OK. How do you break it? Basketball, okay. Did it hurt? Yes. Okay, yeah. Okay, back there. I broke my nose. Your nose? Wait, both of you guys have broken your nose? Yeah, but I feel like oh, okay, all right. How did you break your nose? So <laughs> <laughs> you know, like at the they have those glass doors. You just ran right into it. <laughs> nice. That's why we need more automatic doors in the world. Okay. And I'm guessing that hurt. Nah. nah, not too bad. Did a lot of people see it? No. Okay, well, that's good. That's the most important thing, probably. Who else? One more. All right, right there. Your arm, how'd you break your arm? Bouncy house, okay. Those, thi- those things are dangerous. They're very dangerous. All right, so... Um, some of us in here have broken bones before. Uh, I've broken uh, or broken slash fractured my wrist a couple times in high school just playing sports. Um, and if you've broken a bone before um, or if you have really had any kind of serious injury, I think breaking a bone maybe isn't even the most painful kind of injury there is. Um, but you know that there's some very real pain that is involved in that. It's no joke. I mean, you have to go to the doctor. A lot of times they have to reset it. Sometimes you're in a splint or a cast. There's a, a long, painful healing process. It's no joke when you break a bone. But here's the thing even for those of us in here who have maybe never had a major injury in sports or something like that, or walking into a door, um, or who have never broken a bone, we still know that pain is a very real thing. And that's because not only in this life do we experience physical pain, external pain, but also we experience internal pain. We experience emotional pain. And a lot of times the internal pain hurts far worse than the external pain ever could. And here in Psalm 13 tonight, we're going to read this psalm, and David is writing, and he's talking about the pain that he is going through. And he's not just talking about the pain, but he is talking with the Lord. In fact, he's pleading with the Lord about the pain and the turmoil that he is going through. And we'll see as we read through these verses, it's not just like one small thing. No, his mind and his heart are so clearly consumed and overwhelmed with pain and with heartache and with everything else. And so tonight I want us to read this and I want us to reflect just for a few minutes on what David has to say here. And this is what we'll see tonight from this. I'll go ahead and give you the two. It's really one point, kind of, you know, two halves. And this is what we're going to see tonight as we read through Psalm 113 over the next few minutes. We're going to see first, our pain in life is real. It's not something we can just blow over or cover up with a smile or try to hide or take lightly. Our pain in life is real, but, number two, so is our hope. Our pain in life is real, but so is our hope. Hope So let's go ahead and read Psalm 113. It's only six verses. Uh, We'll start at verse one and just read all the way through. The Bible says this. He says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But, verse 5, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Or you have ESV up there, it says, because he has dealt bountifully with me. In this psalm, it's clear that David is experiencing real pain. He's experiencing a whole range of struggles and negative emotions that are completely consuming his mind and his heart. And in this display of his emotions, as he's pouring his heart out to God here, it almost sounds like he's complaining against God. Like it almost sounds when you read it, it's like, I don't know, this almost seems like a little bit rude. It, It seems a little bit messy to be bringing before the Lord. It almost seems like God would maybe be bothered or irritated by the way David is approaching him and pouring out his heart before him in such honesty. But it's important to remember that here, David, even though it's messy, it's not pretty, in his time of pain, he is running to the right place, and that is to God. In his heartache, in his heartbrokenness, David is running to God as opposed to other places he could try to find comfort. He's running to God for answers as opposed to running to other people or places in the world where he could try to find answers. And even though it's messy, this is what God wants us to do as well, to run to him, to pour our hearts out to him. And so let's walk through these first four verses here and examine exactly what it is that David says that he is dealing with on the inside. So verse 1, we see first here, David feels forgotten by God. David feels forgotten by God. Verse 1, he says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Will you forget me forever? He's saying, God, have you completely forgotten about me? Do you even remember who I am anymore? In David's heart, there is a distance between him and God. He's walking through a season where he doesn't feel like his prayers are being heard by the Lord. We say sometimes where it's like his prayers are hitting the ceiling. He feels like God has completely forgotten about him. Like if there's a list of all the people in the world in in some kind of priority of who God cares about the most to least, David feels like he's at the bottom of the list and the Lord has completely forgotten about his situation. That God can't even see what he's going through. And so David feels alone. He feels like God has completely forgotten about him. He feels not only forgotten by God, but we see he also feels neglected by God. Verse 1, continue there, he says this, How long will you hide your face from me? This phrase, hide your face, it has to do with cursing. It has to do with the intentional removal of a blessing. It carries the idea that David thinks that God has literally turned his back on him. And so David is saying here, in this situation right now, I don't feel just like God has forgotten about me. No, I feel like God just does not care. Like he's intentionally neglected me. Like he's intentionally turned his back on me. He's saying that it seems like God knows the pain that he's going through, but still just doesn't care. So he feels forgotten by God. He feels neglected by God. He also feels worried and he feels anxious. Look in verse 2. He says this, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Here we see this, this anxiety, this over, well, I was gonna say overwhelmingness. I don't even know if that's a word. But he's overwhelmed inside of his mind. He says he's wrestling with his thoughts day after day. It's having something always on your mind. It's being completely stressed out. It's having these intrusive thoughts. He says, I'm wrestling with my thoughts day after day, and it's causing this sorrow to be in my heart. He's anxious. He's overthinking, and he's stressed out. Then we continue on, and we see that David not only feels neglected by God, forgotten by God, worried and anxious, but David feels defeated. The second part of verse 2, he says this, How long will my enemy triumph over me? How long am I going to be losing for? I feel like I'm losing right now. I feel like I've completely lost this battle, and I feel like there is no hope for me. I feel like I am completely done. He's in a place where he feels defeated. And then lastly here we see in verse 3, David also feels deeply depressed. Verse 3, he says this, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, do something, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David says, I am at such a low point right now that I am at the point of death. I feel like there is no hope left for me in this situation. I feel like there's nowhere else to turn. I feel like God has either forgotten about me or he's completely turned his back on me me. Now, when we look at these five different ways that David is feeling in this passage, it's probably not too far of a stretch to say that we could all to some extent resonate with at least a couple of these feelings. And if you haven't, if you're not experiencing any of these feelings right now, if this week's a great week for you, that's a great thing. You probably have experienced them in the past. You can probably think back to a season in your life or situation in which this was you. And if you're not experiencing them right now, and you can't think back to a situation in your past when you walk through something like this, then there is likely coming a day in your future, in the reality of the sinful world that we live in, where this will one day, at some point in time, be you. Feeling far from God, feeling like God is against you, feeling worried and anxious, feeling defeated, and even feeling deeply depressed. Gen Z, which is both your generation and my generation, We are known as the most anxious and the most depressed generation. Many of you guys know that. That comes as no surprise to most people in this room, probably. And you may be here tonight, and like David, you may be constantly battling anxiety or depression, and it is weighing you down, and you're at the point where you just feel hopeless, and you don't know what else to do. Maybe you're here tonight in the feeling of defeat that David talks about. That's something that you can resonate with. He says, how long are my enemies going to have victory over me? And maybe that's why you feel tonight. As a believer, we have an enemy and that enemy is our flesh. The enemy is sin. And maybe you here tonight and you feel like you just cannot get victory over sin. Maybe you say, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I keep failing and failing and failing. And honestly, I'm in such a place of discouragement that I would say, man, I feel like I have just been defeated and I'm ready to just stop trying. I'm ready to just stop fighting the battle. And maybe you're there in a place of defeat. Maybe you're walking through a season of heartbreak. Maybe you're walking through a season of rejection. Maybe you're walking through a season where you're feeling feelings of neglect, maybe from a family member that's not present, or a parent who you think doesn't care. Maybe it's a friend who you thought was your friend, but they seem to have completely turned their back on you. Maybe it's a relationship you were in that you, you, found, you thought was promising, but then your heart is completely broken. The pain that David experienced here, it's real pain. It's valid pain. Sometimes we have the temptation, I think, in in church to um, walk through the doors and just feel like all of our problems need to go out the door. Because if we're at church, it means we need to be smiling, we need to be jumping up and down, and we just got to kind of hide all that other stuff while we're here. Because if we're in the presence of God or in the presence of God's people, that means we got to cover it up and get our stuff together so that we can finally breathe once we leave the doors. But that's not what God says. God says, no, listen, you can come to me. And you can express rawly and honestly your pain before me, and I am here. And that's what we're going to see. So we see David's pain is real. Our pain is real. But here's the second part. So is our hope. So is our hope. Look in verse 5. Verses 5 and 6, the last two verses of this psalm. What is the conclusion that David comes to at the end of this? He's poured his heart out before God. He hasn't held anything back. He's been completely honest about what he's going through and what he feels and those things are valid and they are real. And then he says this, but, turning point, verse 5, but I trust in your unfailing love. And my heart, in the midst of heartbreak, my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Or for he has dealt bountifully with me. And we see here that David is able to say, Listen, even in the midst of all this I'm going through, God is still good, and I can confidently say that he has dealt bountifully with me. He has, even in the midst of this, given me so much more grace than I could ever deserve. He has given me so many more good things to be thankful for than I could ever want. And the end of all this, he says, I'm going to choose, verse 5, to trust in God's unfailing love. It's trust. It's an act of faith. Faith is is the things that we hope for, the evidence or the substance of things that we can't see, meaning our situation doesn't show the good right now. But faith tells us, no, we're going to trust, even in the midst of that, God, even though we can't see the way that he is working. And why is it that, He's choosing to trust in God's unfailing love. He says, it's because God has been good to me. And here David points us to a truth that we have to remember when we walk through seasons like this. And that's this, even on our very worst day, at the worst lowest point of our lives, God is still good. And even in our darkest moments, we can trust in God's love for us. And how is it that we can know that we can trust in God's love for us? Because we can say, okay, well, God is trustworthy, and I'm going to trust in the fact that he loves me, even if it doesn't seem like that in my situation right now. How is it that we can know for sure, No, I know that God loves me? You can, someone can say something. What would you say? How do we know? What's the proof of God's love for us? Jesus. Thank you. Sunday school answer. Yeah, Jesus. Romans 5.8 but God proves his love for us. This is how God says, listen, I am showing you, I'm proving to you that I love you. No matter what you're going through in life, you can trust in my love for you. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is the proof of God's love for us. When we were estranged from our creator when we were lost in our sin, when we were without hope, when we were headed to an eternity in hell, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to come to earth to pay for our sin and take it upon himself and he offers eternal life freely to all who will follow him by faith. Uh, Romans chapter eight, it says, if God didn't hold Jesus from us, if he gave up Jesus for us, how is he not gonna give us with Jesus every good thing? Jesus is the proof of God's love for you and for me. And when we take a step back and we look at things through the lens of the gospel, not just our situation, but we look at it through the lens of the gospel, the big picture, what we see is that God is good to us even in the midst of our pain because deeper experiences of life's pain lead to fuller experiences of God's grace. Deeper experiences of life's pain lead to fuller experience of God's grace. If God is bringing you something painf- through something painful right now, if he's bringing you through something difficult, if he's bringing you through a situation that you do not want to be going through, it's because he's trying to show his grace to you in a way that can only come through that kind of situation. Think about it. Maybe God has allowed you to experience rejection from certain people in your life so that you can more fully experience his acceptance as you turn to him. Maybe God has allowed you to experience anxiety so that he can lead you to a place where you more deeply experience his peace. Maybe God has allowed you to experience loss in life So that you can more fully experience his provision. And maybe God has allowed you to experience neglect from people so that he can show you just how much he cares for you. And even in our very real pain, while those emotions are valid and our pain is real, it can't be covered up, it can't be put away. At the same time, our hope is just as real and it is valid. And it can't be covered up or put away either. And the call is for us to, like David, choose to trust in God's unfailing love for us in every single situation because that is our very real hope. And we can be certain of it because God showed his love for us in Jesus. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll be finished up. Father, we thank you that You love us. We thank you that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, you have proved your love for us through sending Jesus. And Lord, we can trust in your goodness. We can trust in that love. Lord, I ask for the people in this room, including myself, even for those of us who maybe aren't walking through something at the moment where we need Here to trust in you through pain lord i pray that you would keep this truth upon our minds and hearts that we would develop close walks with you so when that time does come lord we have a solid rock that we can stand on lord i pray that you would help us to go from here with stirred affections for you that we would love you more each day that we would trust you more each day and that we would realize more and more each day that true life and true satisfaction and true peace can only be found in knowing you and serving you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.